Let's Get Down to Business is a production of Money Honey Media. All advice discussed in this production is general in nature and should not be applied to your personal circumstances without first consulting the advice of a tax professional. Welcome to Let's Get Down to Business. I'm Gemma Corley and I'm sitting here on a really cold winter's day. It's mid-June, we're getting ready to end the financial year and what that has meant for me is loads and loads of tax planning. So this week I thought rather than um, give you advice of specific things, I might just go through some of the elements that I have done with my clients recently in regard to tax planning and this is specifically aimed at business tax planning. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about tax planning as an individual tax payer. So I'll break it into the two different sections. So what do I suggest to my clients when they come to me and want tax planning? First of all, it's something you can't really do until you get towards the end of the financial year. So that's why May, June has been incredibly busy for me this year. We've had probably, I've probably done about 30 tax planning sessions so far. So uh, it's quite, quite a lot of work involved in that. But if you're trying to do this yourself, my suggestion is first of all, get your accounts up to date. There's no way you can do tax planning if you don't actually know what position you're in. So make sure everything's coded. Uh, hopefully by now you're using a product like Zero or MYB and you're very on top of things. But while you might be on top of things, you might also still be coding some stuff a little wrong. So there's just a couple of things I, I've noted down that you might want to just double check, which we find are common mistakes and that they can quite significantly significantly impact how much tax you think you might have to pay um, if you are including this in your tax planning assessment. So first of all, just have a bit of a general look through your income and expenses because tax is calculated on the difference between your income and your expenses. So one of the things that we see happening quite common is that when people pay their superannuation, they may rather, uh, typically your superannuation, hopefully by now is going through a payroll system, your whole payroll is going through a payroll system. So when we do that, usually when the payroll is run, it records the expense for the wages and the superannuation at the same time. And when you actually pay those things, it will then, you're meant to record them against the liability. So you're meant to record them against either a superannuation payable account or if it's wages a wages payable account or a payroll clearing account or something like that. What I often find happens when people are coding this themselves without the assistance of a bookkeeper is they sometimes record that as superannuation paid again and or as wages paid again. So you sometimes see that the superannuation and wages are much more you know much higher than what they really are. Obviously, that's going to have a significant impact on your taxable position if you're doubling up your superannuation and wages in your accounts. Obviously, if you're using an accountant, they will pick that up and they'll fix that up. So it's not going to be an issue at tax time, but it will be if you're thinking that you've spent a lot more money than you really have. Another thing that I find that people code incorrectly is uh, income tax. So when they've paid income tax, they often include that as an expense, which it is, but it's not a tax deductible expense. So income tax happens after you've worked out your, your profit. So you've got your income plus your expenses. 
and there comes a profitable, like a taxable income, and then after that, you pay the tax. Same with dividends. That's another thing that comes after that. So if you're including dividends or income tax payments as a expense to your business, um, you need to remember that they're not a tax deductible expense. So you probably need to just take that in, into consideration. And of course, again, they can be quite significant amounts. So you want to make sure that you're not doubling them up and thinking that you have no tax to pay when in effect, in effect you do. So once we've got our accounts right and we feel like our profit and loss is relatively, you know, close to what we think it should be, we need to then understand uh, what we're actually paying tax on and what is taxable and what's not taxable within those income and expense items. So the first thing I would suggest you do is understand whether you're paying tax on a cash or an accruals basis. And as a small business, you typically have the option to do that. And it's usually an option that's probably being exercised by your accountant on your, on your behalf and you may not really even understand whether you are doing that or not. Now, this is different to the way you lodge your business activity statement. So most small businesses tend to lodge their business activity statement on a cash basis, which means you're only paying the GST when you've received the money or paid the money on your expenses. And the alternative to that is an accruals basis, which means that you would pay the GST on any invoices that you've raised during that quarter or that month or whatever the period is that's, that's relevant. And you would pay your, uh, you would collect the GST credits on any accounts that have been issued to you. So you'd be running an accounts payable system and you may not have actually paid the accounts, but you have you know, had the invoice raised and you've recorded it in your system. Typically, when we do a set of accounts, and I'm talking from our accounting firm, but I think most accountants tend to do the same thing. When we run, a, we actually prepare a set of accounts for you as a business to then work out your tax. What we do is we do it on an accruals basis. So we'll bring in any accounts receivable money, uh, any accounts receivable that have been raised. So we'll show what sales you've actually had for the year. If you are running an accounts payable system within your accounts, we will bring those accounts payable into your account, into the um, financial report. And so what we will present to you is your financials on an accruals basis. Like I said, it's separate to what you're doing from your, from your GST. It's quite separate. But when it comes to actually paying tax, we can actually say that your tax, we can elect for you to pay your tax on a cash basis, which means what we might do is do some adjustments within your, between what your financial accounts are and what is actually in your tax return. So probably just need to understand that. Now, what that means is if you have got large swings in your accounts receivable balances particularly, um, what will happen is let's say that the first year you enter into changing from an accruals basis to a cash basis, you suddenly have a new lot of accounts receivable that are an extra $100,000 outstanding as at the end of the year that you didn't have last year. So that $100,000 of extra income that um, hasn't actually been received into your account yet is not going to be taxed in this financial year. It'll be taxed once it's received. Now, what happens is you might have actually done that last year and then suddenly you've got that money in in the next financial year 
that money will then be included in your taxable income for this year. So if you are running on a cash basis, you probably just need to understand the implications of that and, and see how that will impact your tax. It's probably a little tricky to understand. And um, if you're a client of mine and you want some clarification around it, I'm more than happy to help you with it. But just be aware, particularly if you have large swings in your accounts receivable, um, that it may have an impact on your taxable income this year. Then we start to look at what is actually you know, taxable and what's not. And there are certain things that are not taxable um, or tax deductible. So most the most uh, obvious thing from my mind that's not taxable this year is the cash flow boost, which is still hanging around from the stimulus money. Pretty much every other part of stimulus money, uh, JobKeeper and some of those other small business grants that have been around will be considered taxable income. The only, there are a few that have been specifically disguised, uh, discussed as exempt, and they're typically around uh, bushfire relief, so, or, or some sort of um, grant that has been, you know, actually deemed as a non-taxable income. So I would suggest if you are getting any kind of grant to have a bit of a look and just see if it is taxable or not and assume it is taxable income. But the cash flow boost, which is the uh, 5000 minimum that was received, so there was a $5,000 uh, payment potentially in September, potentially in June. Uh, it could have gone up to 50000 depending on what the circumstances were with your business. Uh, that will not be taxable income for you. The other thing that not just looking at taxable income, we also have to look at what's not deductible. So deductible um, things would include, or non-deductible things include entertainment. So a lot of times people have entertainment in their accounts. That could also give rise to fringe benefits tax, but that is not that is for a discussion for another time. Uh, probably already had a few times on this podcast, to be honest. You, your super is not going to be tax deductible if it has not been paid or if it has been paid but has been paid late. So again, have a listen to the last podcast that we did on superannuation um, if you're not sure, but there will potentially be some non-deductible superannuation in your, in your financials this year. Uh, and then there are other things like fines are typically, well, obviously fines are not deductible. So just be aware that if you are paying parking fines or late payment fees for things like ASIC or um, or the ATO, they're, they're fines and they're not deductible. So just have a look at those things as well. Then we have to start looking at our um our assets because obviously assets are a pretty big deal at the moment and they're one of the big things that we're using from a tax planning perspective. Now I'm assuming that most of you who listen to me would be considered a small business which means that your turnover is less than 10 million dollars and if that's the case then um, we uh, access what we call the simplified depreciation rules and the, the simplified depreciation rules are work in connection with all these other rules that have been happening with depreciation, but it just sort of also means that we don't have quite as much choice of how we want to depreciate assets at the moment. So let's just go back and have a little bit, bit of a think about it. Uh, in October last year, they extended the, um, oh, sorry, 
Over the last few years with stimulus, there's been all these extensions effectively to how much we can write off as a, as a um, business, basically, on assets that we purchase. So they have extended how what they consider to be the definition of what businesses can access these concessions. They've extended how much the purchase of the asset can be. What happened was back in... Um, in May, when they uh, sorry, in October last year, when they did the budget, they extended it so that there was a total. It's what we call the total asset write-off. It's a temporary provision, and that will then allow us to write off any asset that would otherwise be deductible, regardless of how much it is. But prior to that, there was an announcement that any assets under $150,000 were able to be written off. And that was in effect as at 30th of June, 2020. So those were the rules that we were using last year. What happens is if you're a small business and you're using the simplified tax depre or the simplified depreciation rules, which most small businesses would be, we have, um, we, what we do is we pool your assets. So we, we collect them into what we call an asset pool as opposed to a swimming pool um, and we then depreciate them collectively. And the new rules meant that if the balance of the pool was less than $150,000 at the end of 30th of June last year, we would write that pool off. What you might find is that what you're seeing in your financial accounts is still being depreciated on the old way that we used to do it. So we're still being depreciating it, basically showing what assets you have. But actually in your tax return, we've been depreciating it according to these tax rules. So my suggestion is, first of all, to go in and have a look at how much depreciation you had last year and was your pool written off. If that's the case, you can't really count on any new depreciation this year unless you've actually bought some new assets. So just have a look at that situation. If you haven't written off your pool, then this year we'll be writing off the balance of that pool. And that pool could be quite a significant balance. So you need to understand what you're looking at from that depreciation aspect. On top of that, I know a lot of you have gone out and purchased assets so that you can access these uh, temporary full expensing rules of depreciation. So um, you may still have those sitting in your balance sheet in your financial accounts that you're preparing for yourself. Have a look at those and just understand how much depreciation you're, you're, you know, looking, you're looking at seeing this year. What the ATO are expecting is this depreciation is potentially going to move a lot of people into a loss position. And uh, certainly with some of the clients I've spoken to, particularly those who have larger asset purchases, so those who might be purchasing trucks or um, you know, larger pieces of equipment, it certainly is looking like they will move into a loss position this year. And that's where we can then start to access what we call the loss carry back the tax loss carry back rules. Now these are quite specific and I wouldn't try you know, accessing these on your own without the help of an accountant. I also want to explain that they are only relevant if you're trading through a company structure. So if you're using a trust, you're a sole trader or a partner in a partnership, you're not gonna be able to access these rules. So the, te the temporary loss uh, carry back, sorry, the temporary, sorry, no, it's not temporary at all. The tax loss carryback rules apply until the 30th of June um, 2022, although 
at the moment, the budget did expect, extend them to 2023. That hasn't actually gone through royal assent at the moment, but we will assume that that will happen. What that means is if you made a profit in a prior year and have paid tax on it, and this goes back to the 2018-2019 year, so pre-COVID, you can actually call on those um, losses and get what is known as a refundable tax offset for some of the tax that you've paid in the, in those previous years. So let's assume that in 2018-2019, pre-COVID, you made $100,000 worth of profit and you paid tax on that. And then in this financial year, um, that you've actually lost, say, $50,000 and we uh, sort of got a taxable loss of $50,000. What we can do is we can use some of the tax that we've paid back in 2018, 2019, and we can apply that into this tax return and actually get some cash back for some of the tax that we've paid in the past. There are some limitations on that um, in that you have to have the franking credit, which uh, in your franking account, something probably a little bit tricky to understand but what that means is if you've drawn all your dividends out of your business and you don't have any franking account franking credits left you won't be able to access these rules like i said they're quite complicated but they are have been designed by the ato to work in conjunction with the temporary full expensing rules because they do want to see people being able to access some of the cash that they've paid or some of the tax that they've paid in the past so that they can then reinvest into new assets, which is why the whole temporary full extent expensing rules are there. They want you to invest to make your business run better and to make Australia in general be a more profitable com com country to live in, uh, have better GDP, all that sort of stuff, and to actually recover from the huge budget deficits that we have at the moment. All right, so let's say we've gone through and we've looked at, at everything. We've probably had a chat to our tax accountant because it was a good idea to actually understand if you're on the right track um, and you realise that you still think you're going to have some tax to pay, that you're still going to be profitable. And in all honesty, a lot of the people I've talked to this year have actually been quite profitable because despite all the challenges of COVID, um, we've, you know, traded out of it pretty well. And some of these people have also got JobKeeper and JobKeeper could have been quite a significant expense. Essentially, they may not have been really paying staff for around six months and staff, staff expenses are one of the most high, you know, the highest expenses that people have. So if they have been receiving JobKeeper, um, it's quite likely they'll be in a taxable position and have made a profit because JobKeeper is taxable. All right, so we've decided we're still going to pay tax and we're going to see what we can possibly do about that. Um, first of all, you can go and buy an asset so that you can take access to that temporary expense, full expensing rules that are still around um, they'll be around until 2023, so um, that is a possibility. My concern is it is now mid-July. The time is running out to access that these for this year. For the, to be able to access these concessions, you have to have the asset in place and ready to use prior to the 30th of June. Now, if you go out and try and buy a car today, chances are you won't have that by the 30th of June. So just be aware of that. It's probably going to be difficult to access those concessions in such a short amount of time. 
It doesn't mean you can't use them next year though. So just be aware of that. And if you do have to pay tax this year and then next year you go into a loss because you've bought that, you will probably, and you're trading out of company, uh, you could potentially use those temporary carry loss, tax carry loss backs, whatever you want to call them, uh, to recoup some of the tax you might have to pay for this year. Um, as I'm suggesting to everyone, pay your super. Super is not taxable until it has been paid. So if you're running a payroll today, which I just did, and you release your superannuation today, that will have been hit the your your employees' accounts prior to the 30th of June, and it will be tax deductible for you. You don't technically have to pay that super until the 28th of July. So if you do hold off on paying it until the new financial year, it will not be tax deductible to you until next financial year. And that's assuming that you've paid it on time. If you don't pay it on time, so if you haven't paid this quarter's super by the 28th of July, it is then no longer tax deductible to you at all. So get your super paid. If you may want to actually look at paying a little bit of additional superannuation for yourselves as business owners, um, and I would probably suggest getting a little bit of advice around that, but we do have the ability to put $25,000 worth of tax deductible contributions in for ourselves each year. If you have less than $500,000 worth of superannuation um, in your superannuation accounts, you can go back for the last two years um, and see if you haven't actually used to maxed out your $25,000 caps, you can actually put some more contributions in and make that contribution even greater than $25,000 and get the tax concessions for that. I would suggest you get some advice on that because you may not know what your taxable, what you've actually put into superannuation. Um, you may not know how much you have in superannuation. There's probably a little bit of information you need around that. And is it worth it? Because as much as it's great to have money in super and to get a tax deduction for it, depending on your age, if you're putting potentially $50,000 or, or even more into superannuation as an additional contribution, you can't access that until you're probably at least 60, maybe 65, and it's a long time to tie up some of your extra cash to get a tax deduction. But certainly something to think about and a little bit of extra super is always good. You may want to take, claim that as an additional contribution from your business to get the tax deduction from there, or you may want to claim it as a tax deduction from a personal um, side of things. So, But the important thing is that the money has to be in the superannuation fund before the 30th of June to claim that. Another thing you might want to consider doing um, as a small business, and you know, again, we need to make sure we're into that small business rule of having less than $10 million worth of um, turnover, is to maybe prepay some expenses. And when we're talking about prepaying expenses, they're meant to be things. So prepaying expenses is paying for something you're going to be using in the future. Now, there's a lot of rules around prepaying expenses, and as a small business, there's a 12 um, a 12-month rule that applies, which means that the service that you're paying for must be have been used within the next 12 months. So things, and this also actually applies for individuals as well. So if um, it applies to small businesses and it applies to individuals who have non-business tax deductible expenses. So for example, if I want to pay now for my um, CPA membership fee for the next year, 
uh, I can pay it now and claim that as a tax deduction because that will be used for the ne within the next year. That membership goes over that period of time. So some people do go and prepay rent. Um, some people also may prepay some interest. The only thing to remember that with that is once you get into that system, you kind of have to stay there. So if you're prepaying rent this year, then next year you're not going to get a tax deduction for it unless you prepay that rent again. So it's a great strategy if you've got a really high profit for one year um, and you want to pay some stuff up front. But remember, it sort of really only has that one year of really good advantage, particularly if we're talking about large expenses that are being prepaid. Okay, um, if you do happen to be trading out of a trust, just one thing I would like you to consider is that you are meant to have made your decision and documented or at least have somehow noted how you want to distribute the trust taxable income and uh, trust income prior to the 30th of June. Um, if you're a client of mine, I will be getting in contact with you prior to the 30th of June so that we can at least discuss that. But it might be something just to have on your radar of what you are thinking and how you would like to distribute that income and potentially just write something down so that you've at least acknowledged that you've made that decision prior to the 30th of June. For those of you who are trading out of a company, a uh, reminder that the company tax rate has changed this year at only 26%. So that's actually a pretty good rate. So if you're paying tax on $100,000 worth of profit at 26%, that's $26,000 worth of profit. It's still a better tax rate than most likely than what you'd be paying as a normal person. Um, so it's it's good where our tax rate as a small business has been, has been reduced. And then the following year, it's reducing to 25%. So that's even better. And maybe um, so things like prepayments, it might be good to actually leverage a little bit off that 1% uh, change in rate that if we can bring forward a deduction in this year, so that we're getting that year where we're paying a slightly higher tax rate and then not having that deduction in the 25% year, there might be a little bit of leverage you can get there. Um, finally, my last thing, if you're trading out of a company or a trust and you've been using some of that money from the company or trust for some private stuff, as in you've been drawing out money out of the company that is in excess of your wages, have a look if you can get some of that back into the company prior to the 30th of June. Maybe it's time to repay some of those loans that you've taken. So if you've got money sitting against a redraw account or um, uh, and you can get that back into the company, please do that prior to the 30th of June. We've talked about Division 7A in lots of different forums and um, technically you're not really meant to take money out of a business that you're not paying tax on. So please get that money back in there if you can. All right, hopefully that's helped. I'm sure there's plenty of other things that you can do from a tax planning perspective, but that was my half hour wrap up of how I would look at tax planning. Of course, everyone is unique. Everyone's situation is different. Um, there's lots of stuff that you probably need to look at over uh, much, you know, over and above what I've just discussed, discussed here. But just keeping these things in mind will hopefully help you get through uh, the 30th of June and then it all starts again. So, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're through another year again. But thanks for listening. Um, next week, I will be back with a similar wrap up on what you need to do as an individual taxpayer. 
Uh, I want to once again thank my producer, Joel Eshman, for his wonderful work. Um, I work at Jigsaw Tax and Advisory. They're the sponsors of this show. We'd love you to listen to our podcast and subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on social media. We are on Facebook in our group, Money Honey Trady Wags, and we do have a Facebook page for Money Honey, and my blog is tradywags.com.au. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to talking to you next week.